It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Washington Football with your host of the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, Dave Harrison, Chris Russell. Find Chris over on Twitter at RussellMedia621 and at the Team 980 106.7, the fan in Washington, D.C. And then also find Chris covering your Washington football team for Sports Illustrated in written form. You can find me, David Harrison, on Twitter at DHarrison82, also covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Locked On Podcast Network at the Locked On Bucks Podcast. Or, or over at SB Nation at BucksNation.com, covering the Bucks as well. And then you can find the show at Locked WFT Pod. Chris, another day, another another batch of news. I mean, like you, you said it many, many times on the show. Before I ever even joined the show, I remember listening to you. You said there's never a dull moment. There's never a day that goes by where we don't have something interesting to talk about with the Washington football team. And and this one is an interesting topic. But also, I got to give you some some due credit because you kind of called this as Amazon, you know, he, is he stepping down? He is in the process of stepping down. Right. But Jeff Bezos of Amazon is now being reported as on the verge, quote unquote, of buying the Washington football team. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, there's never a dull day around here. It's very rare. Um, and, and David, I, I would just say this a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like right around February 1st, you know, give or take a couple of days, you know, a day or two. I, I just kind of like had this sense that, um, you know, that Bezos was poking around and, you know, the, the NFL is trying to deal right now with the Dan Snyder, Washington football team uh, mess. And that's quite honestly what it still is, uh, even though it got better on the field this year, even though uh, the front office seems to have sorted itself out, even though President Jason Wright uh, is involved here. We know we have a very messy ownership situation involving the three minority main owners, Uh, that own about 40% combined of the team. Dan Snyder only owns himself just over 40%. And his family, his mom and his sister own the remaining, I think it's like 19.5%. So that's how you get uh, basically to 100%. Even though Dan Snyder, you know, only owns himself a little over 40%, 40%, he's got full controlling um, voting powers and privileges. So the question becomes with Jeff Bezos, a guy who, uh, you know, obviously built Amazon into a global empire and is the richest man in the world or was the richest man in the world, whatever, is would he want to be involved in a messy franchise that maybe he doesn't have complete control of and that he doesn't have full voting power and privilege and decision making authority? 
And that's something that I'm going to turn around to you and and ask you to guesstimate because I don't know what else, what other way we could do this is if say Jeff Bezos bought the 40% remaining share of the three minority owners and say Dan Snyder retained majority control through his family and through the current arrangement, which again gives him the right and full voting power and privilege. Mm. Do you think that's something that a guy like Bezos would be interested in? And more importantly, do you think that would help the Washington football team in any sort of way? I mean, I have to feel like, you know, the the opportunity to potentially buy into an NFL franchise uh, is is going to be an attractive option for for really anybody that, that enjoys the sport, enjoys the business that is football and is connected to the area. And Jeff, I think obviously, if if these words are coming, they're not just coming out of nowhere. You know what I mean? They're they're coming from somewhere of interest. And so if he if he meets the criteria that we already know he meets the, the criteria of being interested in the area, he owns a house in the area, Amazon opened a new headquarters in the area. So I mean, all those ties are there. So the dots connect themselves in that aspect. I think that what Jeff kind of has going for him is if he can if he can get to a position where he, he and Dan even have, you know, individually the same amount of, of control. And I understand that through his family, Dan would still have more control. But if, if Jeff could get to a place where they're at least even as individuals, then it, you kind of have the sense where Dan would almost be forced. And I, and I don't know, you know, if this would work behind the, the curtain that we you know nobody sees of the, of the National Football League amongst the other owners and the commissioner and all this other stuff. But Basically, Jeff would kind of come in into a situation saying, I'm the new blood in this situation. Now there's not three other minority owners that you're dealing with. It's just me and you. And yeah, you might have, you know, your family stock in the in the in the team that kind of backs you ultimately at the end of the day. But the the sense I think coming into the relationship would be that I'm here to help you turn this around because the direction you have it going is not a good one. Mm-hmm. And Dan, he for everything that he is or might be, right? He's he's not stupid, and that, and that's the thing that I think is lost on a lot of people from the from the court of public opinion is he's not a stupid individual. He may have done some stupid things or or taken some stupid steps, granted, but this isn't a person who doesn't understand how businesses build, thrive, and survive. And he's got to understand that when a, when a face like Jeff's comes in and someone who's as successful as he has been has the know how, has the experience, and has a little bit of the pull from a from a from a social perspective. He's got to go ahead and listen to him, at least to a certain extent, and then they kind of work out the details there. I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some sort of mechanism built into their agreement for Jeff to go ahead and eventually assume more control than Dan, essentially letting Dan stay in the organization, continue to call himself an NFL owner while becoming more a figurehead, just kind of the more known face of the team than the actual operational side. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I would think you make some really good points. I mean, a lot can happen here. I mean, first of all, we don't know if it, we found out about this through front office sports and through court documents filed in India, uh, which is a part of, of course, the continuing battle and the legal battle between Dan Snyder and the three minority owners that, again, uh, Jeff Bezos lawyer and the lawyer and and and, and the company that represents um, the three minority owners and therefore the 40% stake have spoken. We don't know how serious, we don't know how legitimate that is. We're just trying to connect, kind of connect the dots here in that, again, they've spoke, 
Um, we assume it's about that 40% stake, but we don't know. And that could that could change based on, like you said, a negotiation and also what it could change. And quite honestly, this is where I'm kind of wondering is what if the NFL is about ready to, you know, reveal the contents of the investigation mm. um, that, that again, they took over and they sanctioned, right? Yeah. Um, what if they know like the contents of that right now? And what if they're preparing to either try and oust Dan Snyder, which I don't think they will do, or what if they're trying to suspend Dan Snyder? Yeah. And what I'm saying to that is, you know, just because Jeff Bezos, and, and, and again, we assume he might not be able to buy more than 40%. We think he would be able to buy 40%. We don't know if he would be able to buy more. If they're about to suspend Dan Snyder or whatever, um, and they approve Jeff Bezos, there's nothing to be said that Bezos can't ultimately get a, a bigger stake, depending on the NFL's involvement here, or operating control of the organization yeah. while Dan Snyder is suspended. And again, that's speculation. I don't know that to be true, but that is very much on the table. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, the league and I mean, and that's, that's again, kind of going back to this whole ordeal in the first place, the minority owners wanting Dan out or wanting out themselves if they can't get Dan, Dan out, uh, you know, on the outside looking in a lot of us, okay, you know, you, you can talk about the guilty or uh, innocent till proven guilty and, and all that stuff that this country is built on. But again, you're talking about three very, very successful business people who have, who've been doing this for a long time. They're not wanting out simply based on rumors. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel like this is a Schrodinger's cat situation. Like we know there's a cat in the box. We just don't know what the cat looks like right now, but there's a cat in that stinking box. And once it opens up, there's going to be repercussions. Now, how severe those repercussions are, are going to be based on a lot of factors. And, and some of them aren't uh, as savory as, as we would like them to be granted. You know what I mean? But that's just kind of the truth of the situation, but you're hundred percent right. I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if there wasn't a situation where they told Dan, look, dude, like if you don't want us to just completely cut you out of this situation, take whatever legal action we can as a league or have to do as other owners to completely put you out of this thing, you're going to have to make some concessions. And one of those concessions could be like you said, a suspension for a season probably. And then it also could be a contractual agreement between Jeff and Dan to where Jeff now has operational control of the organization so that Dan can't then go to his family members and say, with our powers combined, we control Jeff because now in the contract, you can't do that. You know what I mean? So right. that is something that could definitely happen is something that's, that's definitely on the board. I would imagine because I mean, if, if we're thinking about it, we're not billionaire businessmen. I like to think we're two smart individuals, but we're not billionaire businessmen. They are. So they know those loopholes and they know how to get there. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting how we, how it unfolds anyway. But I think bringing a guy like Jeff on board can only do good for the organization, whether Dan sticks around or not. Yeah. One other quick thing that we should throw in there. A part of this filing on Monday included uh, the, the representation company that's representing the three minority owners, 87 phone calls, 87 yeah. with former Washington team president, Bruce Allen. And apparently according to the transcripts, more than 22 hours total yeah. of conversation between uh, Bruce Allen and and, and Moag, the company that is representing the three owners, including text and email messages uh, that prove they were in cahoots with each other. So that's going to be a really interesting part of this to figure out if Bruce Allen is driving a lot of mm. this negativity and negative reporting and negative um, 
uh, accusations against Dan Snyder and then how the, how the NFL deals with that. That's going to be something to keep an eye on because I don't think we had that level of detail with Bruce Allen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's layers upon layers upon layers of this thing. And, uh, you know, someday someone's going to write a book about it. It's going to be a very compelling read. Uh, there may be a 30 for 30 on it someday. Who knows? I don't know if, uh, you know, networks like ESPN are going to want to get involved in a project like that, but there's, there's so many things going on with this whole thing. You got to assume that eventually there will be a Netflix or something out there that, that fans can dive into if they really want to get into, into the weeds with it. Uh, I don't know, Chris, if there's going to be any prop bets for whether or not Dan Snyder is going to stick around or if Jeff Bezos is going to buy even a portion of the Washington football team. But I do know there are a lot of other prop bets out there. And where I go to find those prop bets is betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action, whether it's NBA, college basketball, hockey, baseball is coming around. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I might get involved with just for some of these prop bets, some some home run numbers and over-unders and all that stuff. Sounds like a lot of fun. But Bet Online even has me covered and has everybody covered for awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has all of us covered for all the new scores and odds we need, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just use your computer, go to the website, or use your mobile device to go to the website. Sign up today for a free account. Use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus from BetOnline.ag again. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Eric Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts, like the Washington football team podcast. Yeah, and Chris, uh, we talked about Brandon Scherf earlier this week on our, on our Monday episode, and he's going to become a topic of conversation even more moving forward because the franchise tag deadline, the window to franchise tag players for, for National Football League teams starts on Tuesday, February 23rd, and it ends on March 9th. And then as we talked about yesterday, the teams then have until July 15th to enter into long-term deals or new contracts with those tag players if they can agree to. Uh, if they can't, until they do, that player will count against their salary cap, their working cap for that franchise tag number. And when you look at a guy like Brandon Scherf, we kind of chronicled all the things and consideration that the Washington football team has taken into with him and whether or not they franchise tag him or if they can come to an agreement, which doesn't seem likely based off the information that's coming out. Offensive linemen in the 2021 season are estimated, right, projected because we don't have a hard salary cap right now, so it's hard to tell. But the estimation is that an offensive lineman would be tagged at a value of about $13.602 million. But because Scherf has already been franchise tagged once, he would get that escalator similar to what Kirk Cousins got when he was going through his situation. And that would actually move his as his franchise tag value upwards of $18 million right around there, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depending on what 
considerations the NFL's put in place for the lower amount of revenue teams made. But given the traditional, right, I put that in, in quotes, the traditional 120 point or 20% escalator from year one to year two using a back-to-back franchise tag, you're looking at about $18 million. How does that factor in, you think, for you personally and how you feel about Brandon? Because you, you went pretty in-depth about how solid of a player he is, but also injury-prone. Right. Uh, you know, and it's interesting as you were kind of going through that, I, I think you're absolutely right. I did confirm with uh, a, a source of mine and a friend of mine who is a longtime uh, salary cap analyst executive of, you know, and, and is currently an NFL PA agent. Um, and, and he did confirm that it is 120% based off of last year's $15.03 million tag, which brings uh, that number, you know, that you were just mentioning to just over 18 million, which, you know, is a healthy $3 million bump uh, for Brandon Sheriff. But if you look at it, and again, assuming the estimated number is right, which is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of say 13.6, 13.7 or whatever. I mean, that's a pretty stark difference, right? Between the two, uh, between what most other offensive linemen would get on the franchise tag and what Sheriff would get. So I really think both sides are going to try and do everything they can to avoid playing this season out on the tag and maybe even try and avoid and wait for the very last minute to give him the tag, meaning March 9th is the deadline. Maybe they wait, David, all the way up until that very day to see where they're at. And that's probably what I would do, to be honest with you, because you don't want Brandon Sheriff to count more than $18 million under the cap, yet you have to balance that by the long-term it, the long-term balance of the fully guaranteed money and the structure of the contract too. So like you can't be short-sighted and just say, Oh, okay. We want a cap number of 9 million this year, 10 million this year, because we don't want to pay it 18 million, but then cost yourself big time on the back end. So that's going to be the tricky balance that Washington is going to have to figure out here uh, about Brandon Sheriff. And I, I listen, I know I'm not as high on him as others, um, that's okay. It's it's injury, and I think it's a lack of consistent dominance uh, compared to others um, like Kevin Zeitler uh, and and all that. Um, well, not Kevin Zeitler, uh, um, Zach Martin, I should say, uh, and even Brandon Brooks when he was healthy. Uh, and Kevin Zeitler's good. I would just say this: that Sheriff deserves to get paid. The problem is, is he's going to have to work with the Washington football team. If he expects top of the end, mar- top of the line market uh, for all parts of this deal, that's just not going to work for me. But right. I could be wrong on that. No, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you to a certain extent, especially. And I mean, I, I, I've gone through this almost every year on the Locked On Bucks podcast. We're talking about Donovan Smith because a lot of people have been unhappy with Donovan's performance. It's a different situation, whereas Donovan's been extremely healthy, but very inconsistent playing on the field. And Brandon has been very, very good, solid to above average on the field, but has been very inconsistent on when he's on the field due to those injuries. Mm -hmm. So somewhat similar, but a lot different at at the same time. And the question that we always come up, come come up against with Donovan Smith is who's better. Who are you going to replace him with? And that's kind of the situation that, that Washington is in with Brandon Scherf. Who are they going to replace him with if they don't bring him back? So that kind of works against them. But then at the same time, I think the biggest hurdle they're going to have to clear, Chris, and you're kind of, you're kind of hitting on it. Uh, as, as you go through this is what type of precautions is the team going to get against his health and what type of guarantees is he going to get regardless of his health? That's going to be, you know, how much money do I get as Brandon, no matter what happens, but then as a team, how much cap relief do we get? You know, if it's 18 million, but there are triggers in there and, you know, maybe 5 million of those triggers 
rely on you not only playing, you know, 13 or more games, but then also being present for the playoffs and, and et cetera, et cetera, that money might dwindle down by the end of the season. You may actually only carry over a little bit of that cap hit, but at least for Brandon's sake, even if that happens, you're getting a solid amount of money up front so that you're taken care of. That's that's the balance that they're going to have to strike in this whole thing, and that's, I think, where, where the complication is going to come in. It is very tricky, indeed. Before we take our second and last time out, um, just wanted to get your quick feedback on something Peter King wrote in Football Morning in America, part of Pro Football Talk and NBCSports.com. He said uh, that basically in order to get uh, a crack at at Deshaun Watson, and he did a team by team breakdown and some mock proposals, if you will. And I assume you know some of that was speculation, some of that was probably conversations he's had with people. He said it might take Washington football to offer Chase Young, plus another young player, and three or four very high draft picks to make a run for Deshaun Watson. Now we haven't been doing the show for long. But I, my sense is, call me crazy, that you would probably call that an absurd proposal. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're you're giving up, uh, you're giving up way too much of your franchise for for one player. And and again, quarterback is the most important player on the field. Got it. Deshaun Watson is a really good quarterback, potential franchise leading quarterback. He did a lot of good things last season without a lot of weapons around him, and I applaud him for doing so. I understand why he wants to leave the franchise he's with, but at the same time, the franchise he joins, you can't give up that much of your future. We were, we were talking off air. I saw a proposed PFF trade with the Denver Broncos that talked about giving up Bradley Chubb, who is a lesser considered you know uh, edge rusher than, than a guy like Chase Young is, granted. But then also they give up Chubb, and they also give up two first-round draft picks in 2021, 2022, and then two second round draft picks in 2021, 2022. So the difference between Chase Young and Chubb, you're probably going to save what one of those seconds. So you're giving up two consecutive first round picks and a second and Chase Young. So you're basically giving up a second overall pick and, and two future first and a second for, for Sean Watson. He's great, but he's not going to make up the production you're going to lose from giving up all of that draft capital. You're, you're going to torpedo your franchise. Uh, just to bring him in, and then you're going to pay, you're going to end up having to pay him another king's ransom to keep him on the team. By the time you rebuild your team around him, it's just it doesn't make any sense. I can't, I you can't never say never, especially in the NFL. I am going to be if if the Houston Texans get what everybody is is speculating they're going to get for Deshaun Watson, I'm going to be really sad for the fan base of that team because I think it's going to set them back tremendously for just one player. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We can agree on this as well, that there's one spot to go, guys. If you need your car truck repaired and you don't want to spend the big money that the factory dealerships are going to cost, and that's rockauto.com. Whether you're a foreign or domestic owner, old or new, whatever model or make that you have, rockauto.com is the place to go for the best auto part shopping experience. No need to go to those big auto parts superstores where they've got to pay all that overhead to keep the place running and to keep the lights on. And they're just going to pass those extra charges on to you or they're going to charge their buddies less because they buy in bulk or volume. Nope, rockauto.com is going to send you and and charge you the same prices that they're going to charge everybody and they're not going to take advantage of you. So again, when you go to rockauto.com to search for all the parts for your car or truck, again, foreign or domestic, new or old, major or minor, make sure 
you go to rockauto.com and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wrapping up this Tuesday episode of the Locked On Washington football team, David Harrison and Chris Russell coming at you. Find me on Twitter at dharrison82. Find Chris at russellmania 621 when you're done listening to today's episode, check out the Peacock and Williamson show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network slate of podcasts. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host the Locked On Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every team and move from the league. Get your picks, previews, and much, much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's time for our free agent focus. And David, as we make our way down the list, we're going to go in depth with somebody that you know very well from uh, your time covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the Locked On Bucks podcast uh, and, and everything else that you do. And that's Levante David. We touched on him right after the Super Bowl win when we first got together here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast as a possible fit for the Washington football team. They need a lot of help at linebacker. He's 31. Uh, he's going to cost some money. He's still a very productive linebacker. The question for me for, to you is how does he fit here in Washington where they have Bostic under contract for one more year. They have Cole Holcomb who they like. Kevin Pierre Lewis is a free agent who may or may not return. Uh, they have young guys like Khalid Hudson. They may move Landon Collins down. How do you see potentially Levante David fitting here in Washington? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the big question from a leadership standpoint, a locker room guy on the field of practice and even in the game communicating and helping to make sure the younger guys or, or maybe just the guys that don't have as much skill or, or awareness as he does, he's, he's a home run. Like, no matter how much, you know, if you end up making him the highest-paid linebacker in the game, you're going to get money's value from that. Where the question has always been surrounding Levante David, and one of the reasons he's so criminally under underrated and under underappreciated from a league-wide standpoint is the stat box. And it's, it's not necessarily tackles. I mean, you look at – you go down his career tackles, he's got 100-plus tackles in every single season he's been playing except for one. Um, but then you look at his sack numbers, right? His, his, his career high in sacks was seven and that came in 2013, which is his only first team all pro birth in his entire career. Um, but then you go down the list. His second best season was three years later in 2016, where he had five sacks and he hasn't had another five sack season since this season. He had one and a half, uh, Devin white in that, in that Buccaneers three, four bases is really the off ball linebacker. They used to blitz more Levante basically stays. He's the contained man. He's the guy that forces running backs back inside towards the rest of the defense. He makes the smart play, right, while Devin White goes out there and makes the flashy play, and those things aren't as sexy on the nation. You know, they don't make good morning uh, football episodes or ESPN, you know, top 10 plays and all that stuff if they even still do that. I don't know. But it, it's it's the things that Levante does that make the team around him better, that make him so valuable, and it's the things that 
they don't ask him to do like, you know, blitz, you know, 20 times a game or whatever. And that's hyperbole a little bit, but it's the lack of those things that make him so much, such an underrated player. So, I mean, where would he fit with Washington? The question is whether or not they would look at him as their off ball linebacker, inside linebacker in a four, three front, because when the Buccaneers played a four, three, he's a weak side linebacker. He was not playing in the middle. He wasn't playing in that, in that role. He was a weak side guy. If they moved him to weak side, you know he knows how to do it. You know he knows what he's doing, and he's one of the best to do it in the game. If they have him quarterback in the defense there, you can do that from a mental standpoint. My concern, especially as he gets more into his 30s, is does he have the range he needs to have to be the standalone inside linebacker for, for a team, a middle linebacker for a team that runs a 4-3 base? That's the only place I really have a question for this. So I guess that's, that's really my concern. If it were me... I would be looking to bring him back in as a weak side linebacker. Honestly, I feel like Levante, even if he leaves Tampa, is looking to stay inside, probably looking to go play in a 3-4. You know, he could play weak side here, right? I, I mean, in that 4-3, because you have John Bostic under contract for one more year. Mm -hmm. Right now you have Cole Holcomb. Uh, and again, you don't have Kevin Pierre-Lewis under contract. So, I mean, theoretically there is a, a need for him here. Yeah. And certainly again, the leadership and the character. Um, the, the question for me is less about fit here. It's, it's about how much money you want to sink into, right. you know, again, a guy who's 30, what, 31 years old. And will he hold up in coverage? If you need to drop him out, run him down seams with tight ends and, and, and walk him down on the line of scrimmage. Uh, against a receiver or, or or just in the flat against or on circle routes or or or, or wheel routes against you know running backs mm -hmm. like that to me that's more the concern of any time you're going to pay somebody that's on the plus side of 30 yeah. what it's going to take to get Levante David to leave Tampa uh to come to a, a kind of a foreign spot is that fair? No, that's absolutely fair. And, and I would say that yes to all the above. Yes, he can still do that. He can cover the tight ends, whether they're bigger. He can still get enough body on them to cause them problems. And if they do make the catch, you saw in the Super Bowl against Travis Kelsey, if they make the catch, he's he's strong enough and good enough that he can get them down without, you know, without them causing a whole lot of damage to your team. As far as running backs are concerned, when you saw the Buccaneers defense get hit for wheel routes or, or running backs coming out of the backfield, it wasn't Levante David getting burned. Honestly, most often it was Devin White, and I, I kind of chalk that up to a little bit of youth and over-aggression and, and, and trying to close on his first read. That's what teams saw. That's why kind of as you as you got into the later part of the season and in the, in, the, in the playoffs, you really saw Devin White's pass coverage responsibilities drop off a little bit. He became much more of a pass rusher than anything else, while Levante kind of stayed back and, and was that pass-protecting pass linebacker there from the off-ball position. So whether you move him in, in, to the weak side or you keep him in the middle there, he has the ability to do so. My only question, if you do put him in the middle, would be the range, like I said before. My thing with Levante, with all the the effort that he's put into that Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization and the rosters that he's played on and the disappointment and the defeat that he's experienced there to make it to the top now, if he leaves Tampa, and, and I'm not saying he's a greedy guy, but if he leaves Tampa, I can't believe it's for anything other than money. Like he just he understands this is probably his last chance at a big contract. So he's going to go set up that generational wealth that so many guys are looking to establish in their families, and he's going to take the biggest paycheck he can find, and he's going to go play. And if that's the case, 4-3 or 3-4 doesn't matter. He's just going to go out there and say, okay, coach, your team paid me the most, so I'm here. What do you want me to do? And the thing that you can guarantee with Levante is he's not one of those guys that's going to get a huge payday and come in and ride off that paycheck. He's going to come in, whether it's Washington, Tampa, 
anybody, and he's going to grind for every single penny that he's getting paid. So at least from a fan base standpoint, you can at least appreciate the fact that you know you have a guy that's not going to come in overpaid and not work to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it fits is going to depend a lot on what Washington has him to do. Again, weak side, I'd be more comfortable with it. I'd be a lot happier with it. You put him in the middle there by himself, having to cover that much that much real estate in a 4-3 base defense, I just worry about that. I'm, I'm a 3-4 guy anyway, you know what I mean, right. to be honest with you. But I would be I would be a little concerned with Levante in that situation just because he's 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 in his thirties. He's just not as rangy as he used to be. Yeah, and, and again, I think John Bostic can can at least under contract for one more year right. at least can be solid uh, to fairly yes. okay in the middle. And clearly, I think their focus will be on drafting somebody uh, that can be yep. their Luke Keekley type, for lack of a better term, exactly. and somebody that. And that's where I would go if I were them. If I if I brought in Levante David, I'd be looking to play him weak side, use a combination of Holcomb and, and Bostic, like you're talking about. Right. Draft a guy, maybe round one, even maybe round yep. two. Off ball linebackers aren't very sexy, but draft a guy, develop him to eventually take their place. But right, it is Twitter Tuesday, and we asked the question: How would you feel about Levante David coming to the Washington football team? And that fit. Stephen Loesch says I would be interested, but probably not signing him. He's most likely looking to become the highest paid linebacker in the league. I don't think I would be willing to go that high. He'd be a great addition, but I would allow another team to pay him. And our buddy Strick says one of the best, but expensive and like thirty-two. I'd honestly look to a less expensive option and even better, the draft. No doubt about it, cost is going to be a major, major factor. All right, good breakdown of Levante, David. Obviously tapping into uh, David's skills and his experience with Levante, David, on the Locked on Bucks podcast uh, and uh, also at Bucks Nation, part uh, of uh, SBNation.com. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to our sponsors today. Uh, it is rockauto.com and also betonline.ag. We covered you from start to finish, and we still didn't get to everything that we ultimately wanted. Another free agent focus on the next episode and much, much more. You never know what's going to happen with the Washington football team. For David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell. Thanks for being with us right here on the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.